Well, good morning. I want to welcome each and every one of you to Paradise Valley Christian Church. Man, it's, it's so hard sometimes for me. There's a million things I want to say, and there are a lot of things that I want to get into the Word, but there's announcements and prayer requests and things that I'm just encouraged by. And as I look out into this uh, packed auditorium, I'm just encouraged by each and every one of you being here. If you're a first-time visitor, someone that's been associated with this congregation, and maybe second time being here, I just want you to all know that look around you. This is what family is about. It's not just your immediate family. It's the body of Christ extended. And it's not about just coming and meeting in this place. It's about being the church outside of these walls. And so I just want to encourage you as you're thinking through and praying through how you can find your fit in the body of Christ. I would encourage you to find someone new today that you don't know. I guarantee you there's someone in this room that you do not know their name. And introduce yourself to them and encourage them. And maybe say, hey, were you planning to go out to lunch today? Because we're going to go out to lunch. Should we meet at the same place and we can get to know each other better? Just things like that. I mean, that's what I'm encouraged by this morning as I look into this auditorium. Because the body of Christ is not just about a, us meeting here for this specific time, but it's, us about, it's about us going and being the church outside of these walls. And thank you for those who are online joining us this morning as well. You're the church as well, you know. And, and so I'm, I'm so excited to see people back from the south. I'm, seeing, I'm excited for people that are visiting for birthdays. I'm excited to see people that are maybe in town for just different reasons. And I'm excited that God wants to continue to work in and through each and every one of you. We're all here to bring honor and glory to God, and, and that's our focus this morning, bringing honor and glory to God. And as we just showed on the screen, we're in a series called Follow the Servant. And it's a series through the Gospel of Mark, and we made it through the first eight verses. And I know all of you went home and read through the whole book of Mark last week. No, 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 no. I, just, I, it's no shame here because... I talked to several people first service. They said, I, I wasn't going to even look at you this morning because I didn't get, I only made it through chapter 8. It's all right, okay? This is, we're in this together, okay? All of us do homework at different paces. Some wait to the very last minute, okay? And we're not going to be done through Mark until a year from now. So you have a whole year to get through the book of Mark, okay? All right? And so last week we started this series through Mark. And, and I'm just excited because it's all about how Jesus made disciples, and how they then went and made other disciples. And if we're really being honest with ourselves, the reality of who we are as a church is to make disciples. To go and to baptize, to go and, and to teach and make disciples so that you can baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that they, you can continue to teach them and they can go out and make other disciples. And, and so again, as a church, we desire to, to seek and reconcile and restore and, and to equip people to be disciples. And I pray that you want to be that. You know, it, it, it doesn't do any good just to come together and then not go out and live it out. And so my prayer is that you desire this in your own life this morning. And today's message is entitled, Make Your Father Proud. And we're looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. As we look at these verses, we see Jesus making his father proud. One of my main goals growing up was to make my father proud. In fact, there were times uh, growing up my dad said, all right, Charles, 
if you ever make it into the paper, if your name ever makes it into the newspaper, I want it to be in the paper for something good and not for something bad, all right? And I, I think that would be a general consensus among all parents that if our, our kids are going to be in the newspaper, we want them to be in there for something good and not for something bad. I want to bring joy to my father. I, I want to make him proud in my hope and prayer this morning as each one of us desire to make our heavenly father proud and so that we can learn from the life of jesus this morning as we look in mark what it, when it comes to making our heavenly father proud we look at his life and what did he do and that's my hope this morning will you pray with me as we begin father we desire for you to speak to our hearts we are here because of you and i just imagine us all kneeling at your throne acknowledging your greatness in our lives it's not about here directly in Casper, but it's about your church, your people that gather around the world to bring you honor and glory. And I, so I pray that we do that this morning, that it's all about you, and that we would grow as family, as brothers and sisters, a desire to know one another, to be known and to encourage one another in the faith, to depend on one another, to be accountable to one another, that we would be the disciples that you've called us to be, that we would go and make other disciples. And so may we hear from your word this morning the example that Jesus has given us to make our Father proud. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. On February 11, 2003, I became a dad for the first time. There I am. I mean, sure, I look 12, okay? In fact, uh, when we're at the hospital having Bailey May Gwen, 2003, 18 years ago, several of the nurses said, are you supposed to be in this place, sir? Um, and I was like, well, yeah, I'm one of the dads that just had one of the babies. And they're like, are you sure? You know, there's, you look like 10 or 11 or 12. Yeah, so, uh, you know, all the way back then, Bailey May Gwen was born, and, and for some reason, you know, as I thought back to that time, I just thought about what it would be like to, to be a dad. I'm praising God that I had a dad that did a great job of, of directing me to Jesus and a mom. And this isn't a Father's Day sermon. It's Father's Day is coming up here in a couple weeks, just so you guys know. okay? And, but it's, it's not a Father's Day sermon, but it's this idea of making our father proud. And, and one of the ways that I really wanted to make my father proud, my earthly father and my heavenly father, was to be a good father myself. And my dad's example was a great example to me. And my heavenly father was a great example to me. And I'm so thankful as a brand new dad back in 2003 that I had those examples in my life. And as I looked through the pages of scripture, I, I, I wanted to, to try as hard as I could to be like the God of the scriptures, the father that was laid out all throughout the Bible, and I, in the, these pages, I see a father who is amazingly, actively in love with his kids. Every single one of you. You see a father who loves to surprise his kids with good things. We see a father who actually sings and dances over his children. I bet you didn't know that was in the Bible. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. So we're like, uh, where's Zephaniah at? All right, well, look, look it up. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 talks about how God 
loves us and cares for us, and he, he sings and dances over his children. And we know that our God, our dad, loves to come and interact with us. He loves to talk with us, to enjoy being with us, and that we are not a burden to our God, to our Father. I also see in Scripture that God loves us so much that he says that he's not going to just let us continue to do what we want to do and head down a path that might lead to destruction. He's going to call us out on stuff. And he's going to call us to a, a higher standard. And that's the kind of dad I wanted to be to my kids. And by no means am I saying that I'm a perfect father or that my kids are the perfect kids. But what I will say this morning that I think all of us as parents should say to our kids is that we deeply love them. And I'm so proud of each and every one of my children. And sometimes we, we, we don't like that word proud because we think it has a negative connotation to be proud yeah, maybe when you think about yourself and it's all about you and you think you have it figured out that you're so proud of, of what you've accomplished. But I really think when it comes to looking at our children and saying, I'm proud of you. That's so necessary. And I affirm you. I think you're doing a great job. And so as a parent, it's okay for you to say to your children that you're proud of them. And we need to do it more often than not. And I'm so very proud of my children. In this passage of scripture, we see Jesus entering the scene. And what does his father do? Well, we hear the voice of his father, who is proud of his son, who loves his son, who affirms his son. And all throughout Jesus' life, we see God was so proud of him, not only for what Jesus does, but also for what Jesus doesn't do. There's two things here. There's, there's two situations that we're going to look at this morning. Jesus is the ultimate example for each and every one of us when it comes to making our Father proud. And so as we look at Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, I would encourage you to, to bring a paper Bible. And then you, That way you can highlight it. I know you can highlight your digital devices, but maybe if the Internet ever ends someday, you might want to have a paper Bible that you actually can go to, okay? All right, so Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. On the surface, it doesn't seem like there's much there. Like there, there's not a lot going on, and yet in this account of Jesus' baptism, and then also his temptation, it sets the stage for this three-year ministry that he's going to embark on that's going to change the rest of history. It's going to change the rest of the course of history. And so I want to look at Mark 1, 9 through 11 first, and then verses 12 through 13. And verses 9 through 11 has Jesus going into the water. And so again, we have two situations, in the water and in the wilderness, in the water, verse one, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 says, At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. Now, if you remember to last week, if you didn't catch last week, you can go online, check it out. But if you remember from last week, this first scene in Mark has to do with this guy named John the what? 
Baptist, good. And John is out and he is baptizing people in the wilderness for the forgiveness of sins. And people are flocking to him. And he's this guy that just is a little bit different. He dresses a little bit weird. He eats weird things. And he's kind of up in your face with this idea of, hey, you need to stop sinning. You need to repent of those sins. And you need to turn back to God. And you need to be baptized. And guess what? The people loved it. That's what people were searching for. Do you realize that that is the same thing that's going on in our world today? People are looking for the truth. They're people that are looking for people that are bold about the truth. And the truth is, we make mistakes. We sep- we're separated from God because of our sin. And if you want to be back reconciled to God... There's this idea of repentance that is taking place through John's message. And so as we look at verse 9 through 11 again, we we have John, and and he's preaching, and they're coming. And now Jesus, says, came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. In this section of scripture that we're we're looking at here, Jesus' baptism and his temptation in the desert, we see that Jesus does well what he does well, and, and then also what he's willing to stay away from. What, what he keeps from being involved in. The, the sin that he knows that he doesn't want anything to do with. And it, what's important for us to get this morning is that I want us to pay really close attention to is that Jesus, all throughout Scripture, gives us an example of how we are to live and then also how we are to not live. And as Jesus goes down into the water, there's an example taking place. And before we get to that example, I I want us to think about even the example of prayer when the disciples were asking, like, how are we supposed to pray? And Jesus says, hey, this is how it goes, Matthew chapter 6. And he doesn't begin with this theatrical, like, big, flowery. He just says, hey, you just begin your prayers like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And by saying our, Jesus says that my father is your father. He associates, he makes this point that that God is our father as well. That Jesus gives us this example of who we are to be living for, who we're to be making proud, who we're to desire affirmation from. We're to live lives that are pleasing to God as our Father. We're to live lives in obedience to God, our Father. In simple terms, I always just think about it this way. I I just want to live my life in a way that if I was to look at Jesus' face, to look at God's face, he would be smiling down on me. Are the things I'm doing, the things I'm saying, are, are they causing Jesus to smile down on me? And we see Jesus going down into the water and being baptized by John. And, of course, questions arise like, well, why in the world would Jesus need to be baptized? Doesn't Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 say that Jesus was sinless? Well, yes. Well, isn't Jesus referred to as the perfect lamb without spot or blemish? Well, yes. Well, then why does it need to be baptized? Good question. In fact, this question came up in Bible college, I remember, and I was like, I don't know. Why did he get baptized? And, and, and I'm, I'm studying through this past week, and, and uh, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, is, is Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism. It says, Jesus replied, 
let it be so. Now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as I study this out, I I think you can really go deep with a lot of different reasonings behind Jesus' baptism. And as I discussed this a little bit with Larry, Larry shared, you know, this idea of, he mentioned to me that Jesus never asked us to do something he wasn't willing to do himself. Jesus never asked us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. And one commentary put it like this, John was God's messenger sent to Israel to prepare the way for Jesus. And it was God's will that Jews would be baptized of John. And Jesus, of course, being a Jew, had no sins to require baptism, but it would have been a sin for him to disobey the command. And and so it comes back to this idea of it was right, it was the right thing. He fulfilled all righteousness. It was the right thing for Jesus to do as he set the example for us in our lives as well. And Jesus was being obedient to God, and the question comes back to us in our lives today, are we being obedient to God ourselves? As followers of Jesus, if we claim that in our lives, are we living out Jesus' example in every area of our lives? Are we being the examples to others that we need to be when it comes to the righteous lives that God calls us to live? Because we're claiming to be disciples, which is a, a learned follower of Jesus. And if we're truly following the way that God has called us to follow, then it means that we have to follow Jesus' example when it comes to being obedient. And so I wonder, can we say, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Verse 1, and this is a powerful verse in my opinion. It says, Paul said to the church in Corinth, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Can we say that this morning? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And and again, you're not doing this on your own power. You don't have to depend on yourself to to be the example that God is calling you to be. In fact, as we read here in verse 10 and 11, it says, And Jesus, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And so even though the word Trinity is never used in the Bible, we see the Trinity taking place at Jesus' baptism. You see, you have God the Father speaking, and God the Son is being baptized, and God the Spirit is coming down in the form of a dove. And so at Jesus' baptism, we see that the Father is proud of the Son, and the Son is obedient to the Father, and the Spirit empowering the Son. And do you see how that important that is in every single one of our lives? I mean, you just, if you wake up tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and you wake up, I want you to ask yourself the question, who am I living my life for? Who am I trying to make proud? Who, am I, who do I want affirmation from? And my hope and my prayer is that we want affirmation from God, our Heavenly Father, just like Jesus was trying to receive affirmation from God. He, he always wanted to go back. What does God want from me? It's all about what God wants. And so he was obedient. And that's where our lives need to fall in line with. We need to be obedient 
to what God is asking us of us. And again, we're not doing this on our own. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be that example that we're trying to be in the lives of the people around us. And so we see Jesus' example in the water in these first few verses. And then we also see Jesus' example in the wilderness as well. And you would think that as soon as Jesus goes down into the water and he's baptized and everybody's clapping and cheering that maybe they decide to have a dinner or a party and they're, of course you give out a Bible, right? Okay, at this, probably not at this time, but you know, you want to you give them something in celebration, but that's not what happens. We read in verse 12 that he's sent out into the wilderness. He comes out of the water and now he's in the wilderness, And so read with me verse 12 and 13. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. And I think about being out there in the wilderness and as you read these few, ver- these few verses, you're like, man, it seems like there was more to the story than that, wasn't there? I mean, yes, yes, there is more to the story. But in these verses here in Mark, it's a shortened version of the temptation of Jesus. And interestingly, the Holy Spirit is the motivator who directs Jesus away from the people into this time of isolation. And this word for like drove or sent here in the Greek is the Greek word ekbali, and it means a compelling or aggressive pressure. One preacher said it was was almost like the Holy Spirit just kind of threw him out into the wilderness. And you think, well, did Jesus not want to go? No. Jesus knew he needed to go out there. But what it does mean is this idea that this time in the wilderness was so important to Jesus' mission that the Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness. And many Christians believe that if they obey God and they act somewhat decently to others, that they'll be blessed and and God will protect them from hardships. You know, a lot of times people that make decisions to surrender their lives to Jesus and to be immersed into Christ, I often tell them, hey, it's not going to get easier from here. It's probably going to get harder. Because you used to kind of be doing your own thing, not really following Jesus real closely, but now you're committing your life to Jesus, and Satan's going to attack you. There's going to be some hardships that are going to come. And we see that in Jesus' life. After Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends on him, and God announces his approval to everyone, for everyone to hear. And then immediately, that same Spirit drives Jesus into a 40-day period of fasting and temptation in the wilderness, And can you imagine what that must have been like? 40 days? 40 days of fasting? And and some of you have been fasting for the past 40 minutes, and you're wondering, when's lunchtime, right? Yeah, 40 minutes. It's about, okay. And a lot of us, you know, if you've gone through any sort of period of time where you've gone without food, it doesn't always really go very well, does it? I mean, you just don't feel very good, and you've gone that that time and you kind of get done with it and you're like man i'm hangry right that's the new term out there or an old term but you know snickers you know you get grab a snickers bar because you're just not feeling like yourself you you just don't feel good okay you're hangry you're you're getting upset because you're hungry and you don't do real good without having 
eaten for a long time. And so you become weak and tired and worn out. And Jesus is being pushed to his physical limits as well as his spiritual limits. And yet was without sin. He's weak physically and is being tempted by Satan. In verse 13, And he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. And I wonder as I was reading through that, what, what does this part about the wild animals have anything to do with the story? And why is this in here? And I wonder if it's this idea that not only is Satan tempting Jesus physically, but there are other earthly oppositions that Jesus has to worry about as well. There's other things that he's facing out there in the wilderness. And as we try to make our Heavenly Father proud, the truth is is that you're going to face temptation and opposition. Satan is going to attempt to hinder God's work in your lives. And sometimes we question, why, why are we going through the difficulties that we do? And I look around in this room and I see a lot of you that are going through some tough stuff. And sometimes we have these questions, why, why are we having to go through this, God? And I wonder if it's because you're doing exactly what God wants you to be doing. Some of the stuff you're going through, it's the world we live in. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. But others of you are going through tough stuff that it's because you're doing exactly what God wants you to be doing. And Satan is attempting to throw whatever he can at you, to, de- to derail you, to cause you to fail. And many of you, as you go through this difficult thing, these difficult things, are struggling with wondering where, where God is at in all of this. And Satan wants you to turn away from God. But I want you to think about the life of Job. He was someone that lost all of his possessions. He lost his family. He lost his health. And Satan was attacking at every front in his life. And what did Job do? He remained faithful to God. And I think about Jesus. Jesus, what did he do in the midst of Satan's attacks? He remained faithful to God. And what do you need to do in the midst of Satan's attacks? You need to remain faithful to God because there will be attacks. We're in a spiritual battle. There's a battle raging all around us. The question is, are you going to remain faithful in the midst of those attacks? Are, are you going to bring your father pride are you going to make him proud and i'm so encouraged by the last little bit of verse 13 where it says and angels attended him in other translations use the word ministered or served him and these words ministering the word ministering comes from the same word used for deacons basically these angels were deaconing Jesus they were ministering to him they were serving him these angels were coming alongside and and they helped Jesus during this very difficult time in his life and scripture is clear that there are angels watching over us Matthew 18 verse 10 is one that you can look up Matthew 18:10 Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 verses that talk about angels 
in our lives. And I, I liked how one preacher put it, in the midst of demonic conflict, never neglect angelic support. And may we remember this morning, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? Greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. And not only that, but again, God is promising us angelic support in the spiritual battles of this life. We're not in this alone. So we look at what Jesus did in the water by being obedient to the Father, and we see what Jesus did in the wilderness by refusing to sin and not give in to temptation. And we see how Jesus made his Father proud in what he did and also in what he didn't do. Now, I'm not saying that this morning that we earn our salvation by what we do or by what we don't do because, again, our salvation is by the grace of God. But what I am saying is that in the life of Jesus, in these few short verses, I see Jesus being the example for us in obedience to the Father by what he did and by what he didn't do. And so the question as we close this morning is, are you willing to be obedient to the Father in every area of your life? As the praise team comes this morning, complete obedience to the Father begins with the belief, and then it moves to repentance in your life, and it has to do with confessing, then a baptism, and ultimately it's a daily decision, a daily decision to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow Jesus according to Matthew 16, verse 24. Make your Father proud. By following Jesus' example. And would you be completely obedient to God's word this morning and give your life to Jesus? That's what he wants from each and every one of us. For us to go all in with Jesus. To be completely obedient with what God is calling us to do. And maybe that's... You need to get plugged into a church body. God is calling you to be obedient to... Getting connected. Maybe for the very first time you need to surrender everything over to God. To repent of the, the life you've been living. Confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And to be immersed into Jesus Christ this morning. If there's a decision that you need to make this morning, we're going to sing a song of invitation. Would you come... As we sing, will you stand with us?